0: can't do it just by us. We have to, to reach out and we need to embrace people and, and ministries sometimes that are a little different than us. They, they worship a little different. They even have slight differences of doctrine. But when we believe in Jesus, we can still fellowship and we can hold hands together and reach out to see what God is going to do. Would that be a good place to say amen? Amen. amen. Thank you very much. Hey, we have been talking. And, and I tell you, my heart has got stuck on, on David. You realize how big of an impact the, the life of David has in Scripture. You know, and we begin to see what, what is happening. He wasn't a perfect guy, obviously. But, but as we look at it, and we see that, that how many chapters and how much stuff we see about the life of David, then we see this great big book That takes up a lot of pages in our Bible, the book of Psalms. Seventy-three of those Psalms are are credited to David personally. And then there's some that are anonymous that he could have done too. And he had an interesting perspective on life. And when we look into the life of David, we see the scriptures that talk about him. And they talk about what he's done and what he is, is thinking. And then we see his words in the Psalms. And we see his songs in the Psalms. Because many of these Psalms were sung. And, and we see how God was working through this man. And, and sometimes David had to kind of get down and, and kind of get down at the very bottom of the pit. Like a lot of us. When when the only way to look is to try to look up, and and see what God is can do when when he reached bottom, David reached up and and found God there. We've been talking a little bit about lessons learned, and I kind of put them in the category of of um, of, of classes that we might take in college, and we called them PFTT one hundred and one class, which was the uh, preparing for the throne part. Um, Part 1, level 1, freshman level class, Understanding Conflict, Dispute, and Challenges. And last week we talked about this. And understanding how these kinds of things, how can stuff that happens in our life be understood in the godly context. I don't like stuff that goes wrong. I don't like disruptions. I like everything to go perfectly. How many would agree with that? But oftentimes we we it doesn't happen and it, and it doesn't seem to gel and it doesn't seem to work and we un- we don't understand why. And and I think what, what we were trying to say last week, can we put this in a spiritual context? Like David did. When he saw that Goliath, this giant guy, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would talk and come against the armies of the almighty God? See, it wasn't just a giant. It was a spiritual issue. And, and many times in our lives, when things started to go a little crazy, we need to look and see if there is a spiritual thread that's, that's weaving through this. There's, uh, I've, I've actually printed, Emily uh, typed up and, and kind of prettied up, if I could say it that way, uh, my notes from last week, and they are out, uh, and you can have them. They're out on the little center table out there. But I want to just remind us of one thing that we talked about last week, and that was the enemies, the the stuff that comes at us. They seem to fall in a few different categories. The spears that come up to us, they can be enemy fire, plain and simple. What I call a full head-on attack of the enemy. Okay, that's that's one thing, and because the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, he does not want us to be uh, victorious, and he doesn't. He just wants to put us down. Number two, and and I don't know if I can find real scripture on this to tell you the truth, but I call this the fire that comes at us that seems to come out of no place. What was that? What was that? The out of no place. And I think we can all kind of say there's, there's stuff that seems to come out of no place. But then I want to re- just remind you of the friendly fire that can come to us. And in the friendly fire categories, there can be unintentional friendly fire. That's what I call attacks that seem to come from our friends. Stuff that, that kind of gets at us. And many times, church, they are unintentional. We men, ladies, wives, are pretty dumb sometimes. Did I hear an amen on that? We can say the dumbest stuff. And sometimes, ladies, we can kind of assume the, the, the kind of the worst possible scenario about what that meant. Are you with me? And to the men, it meant nothing we didn't mean it, we didn't even know we did it in many times, you know, but it it, it came off as an enemy, a kind of a spear, a kind of a, ooh, he didn't, and, and sometimes it could even happen in church, you know, they didn't even want to talk to me today, they just walked right by me like I wasn't even there. Have we ever said that? Yeah. My, my, friend, my, 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 my friend didn't even know me, you know, and it's, it, but in many cases, church, it's unintentional. Say unintentional. unintentional. Now remember it, okay? Many times it's unintentional. And, uh, and, and so we, we have to remember that. But sometimes friendly fire can be hurtful. And it can be meant to be hurtful. And, and then we have to learn that sometimes we just have to let that go. And then sometimes it can be purposeful to, for our help. And Proverbs 27.6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And, and this, I, I want to remind us that some of the best help that we can get to for us to be a better person, a better Christian, is what might seem like is a little dig, little cut from our friends. And I mentioned... The, the bad breath last week. You know, I, um, I'd love for my friend and wife to tell me that I have bad breath before somebody else tells me, right? It, it can be helpful, and it, and it can be in a lot of different categories, you understand. Okay, but I, I want to not take too much time to, uh, to go back over last week, except for me to add one verse, and please notice in 57, Psalms 57, Two. I cry out to God most high. This was written by David when he was chased by Saul into a cave. I cry out to God most high, to God, who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I cry out to God, most high, to God, who fulfills his purpose. When David was in the cave chased by Saul, he began to see and say, God, there's a purpose here. There's a purpose here. Now, can I move on? That was uh, class number one, understanding conflict disruptions. Class number two in this preparing for the throne, PFTT 201, is respecting authority. Now, David learned, or maybe it was almost ingrained in his spirit that he needed to respect authority. Now, I'd like to bring to your attention chapter 24 of 1 Samuel and remind you of the story of David and his men who were way back in a cave. Maybe it was even the same time chapter 57 of Psalms was written. This is now 1 Samuel chapter 24. David and his men were way back in the cave and then David came into the cave I think the Bible says, for personal reasons, with his shaman. And and then it says, David and his men were far back. The men said, This is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemies into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up, unnoticed, and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious uh, conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men, and they did not allow them to attack Saul. Now, in the interest of time, I won't take, but there's a second example of... David sparing Saul's life in chapter 26 when he kind of stole into the, uh, into the camp. He asked one of these guys, Would you go with me? When everybody's asleep in the enemy camp, I'm going to sneak in there. And he basically said the same thing. But, but let me take most of the, the time on this element to, to work off this story in chapter 24. It's very interesting to me, the the whole look at this scripture. You you understand that that David and his men were way back in the cave and and Saul came in by himself, must have laid his robe down. And, And the men said, this is your chance. We can fulfill scripture right now. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, And this is the quote of God I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Now, this this could almost be interpreted as a test for David. What was he going to do? What was he going to do? the, the, The prophecy that was given to him was not that he was to kill kill Saul there, he said, I will put him in your hands to do with as you wish. Now his army, it seems like they kind of assume David, this is your chance. Take care of that guy. Just pin him to the ground with your sword and let it go. But I think God had begun to work in David's heart. So he was given the opportunity to to deal with Saul as he wished. But his wish was to do him no harm. Are you with me? His wish was to do him no harm. But even that, David didn't kill him. But he cut off the robe. And and it seems like God was, was working in a sensitive heart of David that even this, cutting off a portion of the robe, was not acceptable. It was not acceptable. Uh, and and w- we talk about many kinds of sin, and, and uh, they're not all stealing, robbing a bank. Sin is disobedience to what God tells you to do. Amen. You with me? And so, in this particular case, uh, God said, "You could do with him as you wish." And it was almost like God was putting out a, on a table before him what what the opportunities to to help David to grow. And and David knew even to the cutting off of a portion of the robe was not acceptable to God. And he was he was pricked in his spirit that. That is not what he should have done. And uh, and, and that's extremely cool. It's extremely cool that, that he then told his soldier friends, I did wrong. Soldiers, I did wrong. He admitted to his, his, uh, his people that were with him that he did wrong. And, and, and I think it's important that the offense was before his, his army. So when when he was to rectify this situation, he had to, to, to ask forgiveness from the men who heard it and saw it. And he couldn't just take it to God. He needed the, the circle of offense what needed to be the circle that was asked for for forgiveness. Are you with me? To David... He knew it after he did it. It was a show-off thing. It was a show-off thing, and 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 it was not acceptable. He got it partly right, but partly wrong, and and so he he needed to do that, and he he needed to ask forgiveness from his army and to set it right, and 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 he again later on in chapter twenty-six, he uh, had the chance to kill. Saw one more time; it didn't do it. Now, let me speak to the issue of "touch not God's anointed" for a moment. I, I, I feel that there needs to be a healthy respect for the position of the pastor, uh, and and you folks are wonderful in that regard. Uh, and, uh, and and I, I've, I may have said it a few times, but there is something about the pastor and his position in God and the church that that allows him to function outside of his natural abilities. You know, in so many things that I do and say, you know, I, I have to ask God, where did that come from? However, let me just put two things aside. I think there still needs to be an understanding that this doesn't go so far as to, to cover blatant Sinfulness. There still needs, and and just because a person is a pastor or an evangelist, if he is blatantly sinful, it, that needs to be dealt with. And and there's not a protection clause uh, in that. Uh, and so I want to just allow that to be said. And and. Uh, Oftentimes, in church circles, there needs to be a a process of restoration and correction, and those things need to be done. Now, with that being said, let me back up just a little bit and deal with the whole concept of what I believe can be looked at as God's anointed. You see, I I think I'm not just the only person that's anointed, or that's the pastor's position as anointed, I believe God has anointed and placed in the kingdom other anointed people and positions, such as parents. God has placed the parent to be the parent. That would be a good place the parents to say, Amen. amen. There needs to be, and and I think then I believe this the same principle applies that. Those under the, the the children under the parent need to be extremely careful, and in the way in the same way that that David respected the position of his king, we need children need to respect the position of the parent, and in the same way, I think the position of governmental officials. There needs to be a healthy respect for that. Now, interestingly enough, and sometimes we don't even see how it's, it's spilling out in front of us, but, but I, I believe the whole, and, and this is just a slight bit political here, but the whole Occupy movement was a disrespect for reasonable authority, to just say I'm going to camp out, I'm going to what would David, uh, what Saul went, did when he went into the cave? You know, I mean, they just abuse and they 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 will throw windows and break windows and turn over police cars—a a complete disrespect. Or what i believe god has put in authority police officers and reasonable rules does that sound reasonable and and i we're we're getting to a point in america and around the world where where some of this disobedience uh and even some of the uh, things and one could say even this egyptian uh rebellion uh that uh, and uprising, and, and getting rid of the leader there, and, and Dr. Makari from Starkdale, who is Egyptian, I think, close, uh, and he would say, that was all mess up. It was a mess, and it was, it was a disrespect for authority, and, and it got out of hand, and it wasn't done properly, and because of that, Egypt will probably end up worse than it had was before. And, and I think when we lose the concept of dis- reasonable respect for God's authority figures, teachers, bosses, and, and, and other authority people, we need to be very careful. Those of us that are under, uh, we all have our authority figures, and we need to understand that God has placed them there not to to put us down, even though it may appear like that for a while. Because it, it didn't cause in the long term of things for David, it didn't cause him in the um, a long term effect. He still became king, and it was his preparation uh, that was was there. In a civilized society, there must be a healthy respect for the authority figure. And our country is based on an assumed respect and assumed leadership positions. Let me move on. Time is getting away, and I'm only to two of five uh, in two weeks. So I'm going to finish this this week, I promise. Let me, let me go to, to the, uh, the third point. After we talked about understanding conflict and disruptions and challenges in our lives, we talked about now uh, respecting authority and uh, after taking that second-level class, that sophomore class, did you pass the test? If We took the final exam today on that class. Okay, but let's move ahead. I, th- I think very interesting that one of the things that we noticed in David's life was his ability to obey. And you could say that this is a close connection with respect, but I'm going to put it in a different category: learning obedience. Look at First 1 Samuel 185. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it excuse me, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people. And Saul's officers as well. Very interesting scripture that I came across you know, a couple weeks ago and thinking that I was going to get this all done last week. But I, I think we can't, we can't go by this scripture too quickly. When Saul, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army and it pleased all the people. Now, we're talking about Saul here, that, that David uh, obeyed and, and did what he asked him to do. Saul, the king that wouldn't be king much longer. The, the king that disobeyed God and Samuel and offered up a burnt offering way before he should have, should have waited. The king, the soldier that was head and shoulders above the, uh, most men, but he, he was afraid of Goliath. David still learned that to obey is better than sacrifice. He learned that it didn't matter who was the smartest or who was the cleverest. cleverest. It was who was in charge. And and it wasn't David. Talk is cheap. Uh, But uh, his obedience brought for David favor in the eyes of the Lord. It brought him a high position. And it's interesting, the people, People we're pleased. How many have ever been into a, um, a food store, or, 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 you know, like a, a Reese Becks or Kroger's or Aldi's? You know, and and some little kid is giving their mom or his mom or her mom a hard time. I want Cheerios. You never make to be Cheerios. I want Cheerios right now and, and the mother can be embarrassed to be it all. And shh. And we have plenty of Cheerios at home. No, I think we're running out. We need more. We need more Cheerios. That doesn't give us a very good feeling, does it? We say, oh, man, I'd hate to be that mother or that father. And, and I lose respect for the kid. Because I, I want to say in my heart, that kid is the kid. He's not he's not, doesn't have the money to buy the stuff. It's not coming out of his billfold or whatever. You know, and 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 we, and it's not disobedience is just it's not pleasing. And and we, we think today and 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 it's kind of cool to be sassy seems like. And you know, and, and, and we get today we get the look. And MJ, I mean you see it all the time. Teacher in junior high. I feel sorry for you. But but you see it and in public school and, and maybe every place. You you see, and, and it's not pleasing. And, and for some reason, it's got to be more and more cool because everybody thinks they got to protect their status and their position, and, and, and they think somebody might diss them, you know, if, if they do this or that. And that may be an old word now, and I, but I don't keep track of it. But it, it's interesting how that disobedience element is, is out there today, and, and we, we see it around, and, and it hurts us to see it, and and it's one of those things that David learned early, and it played well for him long term. Are you with me? He learned that he could obey, and and whatever Saul told him to do, if he said play the harp for me, go conquer these guys, you know, do this, do this, do this, and he would he would do it, and and because of that. The Saul's officers saw it. They liked it. Saul liked it, gave him a high rank. The people liked it. And and I think it's one of those things that when it came to the position that David could be the next king, it was pleasing to the people because they saw obedience when that was his position. You with me? When, when he was not the boss, he was a listener. He was a person that obeyed. And it is so important. It's so important today. And, and, and these seem like just elementary things, church. But, but sometimes as a pastor and, and I, I, I see my church family and I say, man, I want to help them spiritually and in other ways. To be successful. And 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 sometimes if 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 it would be just that if you would come here every week and raise your hands high and praise for a half an hour and listen and then go on, it would be okay. But but God is saying and pointing out to us, church, there are key elements. And and that's why we see it in God's word that He wants to, to help us to be successful, to, to be victorious when we learn simple principles. But if we say we can disregard that, when we say, I don't have to respect my mom and dad, I can talk bad about them when I go out in public. You know, like, man, my dad's a bozo. You know? It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. and 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 you... Uh, you know, my sense of the word is that God will not bless that kind of attitude. You need to understand that there is a respect for authority. There's an obedience that is pleasing, and and very quickly, I'm just—it's—it's it's twelve o'clock, and we've got some things going this afternoon. But can I say is uh, is fourth level class PFTT four hundred one senior class preparation for the throne be teachable be teachable and uh, we need to be teachable now there is a story and and I and some of you would know it the the story from 1 Samuel 25 it's the story of Nabal who was a rich landowner and David was almost le- acting like the the protector of that land, and, and he, uh, so he was watching this land for this rich landowner, and, and so uh, David got into a hard place, and so he said, hey, let me, i send some of my men over to Nabal and say, could you give us a little food? You know, we, we just need some food, we're not, we've been watching over your crops and everything is, you know, you, you, you haven't lost anything, and, and we've been taking care of you, but could you just give us a little food? Nabal, his name means fool. Uh, and and he's, he said, no, I ain't doing it for you. You know, you can jump in the lake as far as I'm concerned. And, and David heard word of that. And, and David said, this was one of his low moments, I think. Okay, I'm going to go over to that guy, and I'm going I'm to, there's not going to be a single man living in that, in that area. And, and I'm, don't take that as a good example for David's activities and his principles. But interestingly then, Nabal's wife, Abigail, said, she heard about it through one of the servants. So she said, I've got to do something here. I've got to protect my husband or he's going to get killed. So she comes up with a plan and she, she brings a lot of food and she, she goes over and, and gets, gets, as David is starting to come over to, to their land, he, she gets out in front of him and she kind of bribes him and says, oh, here's a lot of stuff. And then let me pick it up from, on verse 33. Well, actually, let me go just a little, uh, that will finish it up. Let me just say that she encouraged him to, to be patient with Nabal. David then said, in verse 33, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. He realized again that vengeance was not his to take. And and so when Abigail came and appealed to him, May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. You see, David was teachable. And, and he accepted this overture by this woman and, and that was encouraging him to give some grace when he was starting to, to want to take vengeance himself. And, and he said... Almost, if I could paraphrase, thank you very much. I could have killed a lot of guys this day, but I I, I stand corrected. Are we teachable? Are we teachable? Um, it's easy, men especially, perhaps. We like to know that we know. We do not have to ask for directions we know where to go. It's all up here. We don't even need GPS and we don't need to talk to anybody because we know. We know. But the tough thing is when when we think we know and we don't know. But, but, But God is saying to us, all of us, listen. Listen to the Abigails. Listen to the people that may be under us maybe parent it might be even one of your kids that could just bring up some wisdom and we can say oh yeah I think that's that could be a word from God through you to me can we be teachable and I'm going to leave it at that well maybe I won't Give me two more seconds to do my fifth point, which I think is, is pretty self-explanatory. But uh, number five, PTF PT, PFTT 5, 501, the fifth level course, Learning Humility. Learning Humility. Let me give you a verse from 1 Samuel 18, 18, when, when David was offered Saul's daughter. And he said, who am I? And what is my family or my family's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? He didn't take it. Then he was offered the second daughter. First Samuel 18, 23. They repeated these words to David, but David said, Do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I am I'm only a poor man and little known. I believe in his heart of heart, David had a humble spirit. And and I believe this was from his heart. And when we think we're bigger than we are, church, when we think we're bigger than we are and we forget that God created it all, and even though we have a wonderful position and we, we have a position next to God, still sometimes I want to remind myself that I'm a speck here in Steubenville that God loves, but still I'm a part of stuff and I'm not I'm not king of the hill and and when we always realize that God is doing wants to do some work in our lives. so we understand conflict. we understand respecting authority, we learn obedience and we're teachable and humble. Lord. As we sang earlier, and Nick, if you would come and just play a little bit of the potter's hand for me. As we sang that song earlier, Lord, I I had to note the words of the the potter's hand that began to, to help us to understand that we are indeed clay, that the potter, the master potter, with a capital P, the God of creation, is wanting to work in our lives as he puts us on the potter's wheel and and allows it to spin and and then begins to work out the imperfections and and takes some of the bumps and the lumps that are in that clay and starts to smooth it out, knowing that if, if the clay allows it to be done to itself, that it can become a, a perfect work that was accomplished by the Father, by the Master Potter. Lord, as, as we look at our lives and we see that there may be areas of some of these classes understanding conflict and respecting authority and learning obedience, being teachable and being humble, that we may need to go back and review our notes because we wouldn't pass the exam of that class. We're not where we need to be. Lord, help us first to see that which needs to be changed in our lives and then ask you to do it, O oh God. Sing that chorus. Take Change. me, mold me, use me, fail me. I give my life to the potters. Would you stand as we sing the rest of that? Call me, guide me. Study. I give my life to the potter's head. Lord, I ask that you just help us. Lord, help us to understand how you want to work in our lives. That you, that you really are, are desirous for us to be molded into a better vessel than yesterday's vessel. And, and it, it's a progressive thing and, and we're never too old to have some more molding being done to us. Whether we're young or old, you want to do that work in us. Do it, Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And Lord, I ask that you watch over uh, our, our family this week. I ask that you watch over those of us that are participating in